This is All Rings Considered, episode 23. We're talking about book three, chapter one, The Departure of Boromir. Uh, and in case it's not clear, that would be, would be book three, chapter one of The Lord of the Rings. Now, in this chapter, we pick up actually with Aragorn. And actually, that's going to be our point of view now for the next few chapters, is that of Aragorn. Uh, Aragorn is running, looking for Frodo, who we saw as readers in the last chapter has gone off on his own with Sam to Mordor alone. He has left everyone. Everyone is scrambling, looking for him. He hears Boromir's horn back in the woods. He runs down. He sees traces of orcs and of battle. He sees Boromir lying, leaned up against a tree, pierced with a, many arrows. Um, he has been slain, killed by orcs. Before he dies, though, he's able to tell Aragorn the orcs took the hobbits. He also tells Aragorn that he tried to take the ring from Frodo. What he does not tell Aragorn is, did Frodo go with those orcs? Did they get him? Uh, he dies before you can say that, so Aragorn doesn't know. He's soon joined by Legolas and Gimli. They all get together, put Boromir out on a sort of makeshift raft, and they put him out into the river and with all his gear and let him sort of float down as his funeral rite. They then scout out the area back where they had their canoes, uh, and everyone's able to figure out that Frodo and Sam left on their own to Mordor, and so Merry and Pippin must have been kidnapped by the orcs, and he makes the decision that they will go pursue the orcs instead of try to follow Frodo and Sam. And that's where the chapter ends. So uh, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's actually a pretty short chapter, even though it feels like a lot happens in it. But uh, I, I'm really... It's a tough chapter for me. There are parts of this chapter, Pip, I'm going to be honest, I think are really poorly written. I'm not, I'm not mm. sure where Tolkien was was in his mind when he put these words down because I'm thinking this doesn't read like you. Uh, there are parts of it that are very stilted. There are other parts of it that are great. So, okay, I'm not sure, quite sure what to make of that. But Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on this one. I feel like it's, a, like it's not a prose-heavy chapter in terms of... Uh, like, it's not a chapter you would go to to find, like, a beautiful uh, Tolkien writing. No, although some of it is. It, you know, when we get to my favorite line, I'll give you, I think, a great piece of Tolkien writing. So it's 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 just, it's just up and down, right? Right. But that's, but that's weird in itself that he'd be so inconsistent here. Um, but just as an example of what I think is the bad writing, right on, right toward the beginning of the chapter after Boromir's died. Keep in mind, Boromir dies like, right away. And that's actually kind of incredible. You're starting a whole new book book three you're starting a whole new volume the two towers and right off the bat one of your main characters dead and it's just like right right away i mean you're not in let's see how many paragraphs are we into it i mean you can't be more than seven into it then he's gone <laughs> um mm -hmm. that's pretty incredible it's like the second page in the edition uh, that i'm using but anyway right after that aragorn goes on this vent session here that's just poorly written i think i think it, it just doesn't flow tolkien uses nice poetry to his lines and it's just not here i mean aragorn goes alas thus passes the heir of denethor lord of the tower of guard this is a bitter end now the company is all in ruin it is i that have failed vain was gandalf's trust in me what shall i do now boromir has laid it on me to go to minas tirith and my heart desires it but where are the ring and the bearer how shall i find them and save the quest from disaster it's just a little like okay Aragorn, are you are you talking to the reader? Or are you t actually talking to yourself? Because it it feels like it's more to the reader. 
And it just, just does not seem very well written there. So I'm not sure what's going on. But on the flip side, you do have some nice other pieces of writing. So besides my favorite line, which I will save, you do have some good writing where it talks about um, when everyone decides to follow the orcs, he says this. I'll follow the orcs. I would have guided Frodo to Mordor and gone with him to the end. But if I seek him now in the wilderness, I must abandon the captives to torment and death. My heart speaks clearly at last. The fate of the bearer is in my hands no longer. The company has played its part. Yet we that remain cannot forsake our companions while we have strength left. I think that's nice. I mean, that to me, that's the kind of expository writing Tolkien's uh, is more typically uses, right? I think that sounds nice. Good word choice. Just kind of flows. You can kind of go with it. And so I'm not sure what's going on with some of the other paragraphs in this chapter, but there it is. Yeah, um, I, I certainly agree with you that I think there is a bit of, uh, there's kind of a very a lack of flow in the lines kind of near the beginning of the chapter um, where things are just uh, one thing after the other. Like, oh, fact. Next fact. Yeah. Um, and, and the kind of the meter is just is a little bit wonky at times too. Um yeah, I mean, I guess I could think maybe. I actually don't think this, but I think someone could say, "Oh, you know, this is Aragorn. He is this is him pre-decision and then post-decision. He is more, you know, put together." Um, but I, I think that would just be. Just like grasping his straws there. Yeah, well, let's you know. So this is kind of a prose like chapter, but let's talk about some themes. We do have a you know a big event in any book is a death of a character. Actually, death yeah. happens is like addressed in a very uh i mean it's a big deal in the lord of the rings um death yes. is a, a central theme and we have boromir die and he has his his last conversation uh and then you they, you have the characters decide what to do with him um and that's you know they don't have time to to dig a proper grave or build a proper memorial so they send him over the river Something I think that was actually kind of interesting is just the amount of, not of respect, but reverence for death itself. Okay. So it's not just that, oh, these were close companions and they, they really love Boromir, so you know they're going to do the right thing by him. Um, but just there's this reverence in the world regarding death. So Aragorn says about the river, let's see if I can find the line, but he says basically that the, the uh, Gondor's river will not let uh, evil creatures to, I think defile his bones um, and uh, so there's just something very uh, serious uh, it, it, there's just uh, like background reverence yeah. about just the topic so I don't know any thoughts on that yeah just consider that they take the time to instead of make a decision and do they go hunt down those orcs they take the time to say no we we have to have some kind of funeral or burial yeah. or something for the guy we can't just leave him there it's, it's not, not practical at all yeah they, they, there's no debate about this all three of them are like yeah definitely i mean this that's got to happen this is completely impractical but they are committed to doing it without even a second thought which i, I just i think that just supports your what you're saying here yeah there's some kind of and it's cross-cultural too in terms of the races um yeah i mean so you know it's men it's uh dwarves and elves they all this is just what we're doing we'll figure yeah. out the rest afterwards for sure one thing i think before we get on from his 
from Boromir's death, mm -hmm. it's worth looking at his last conversation with Aragorn and essentially yeah, his last words and Aragorn's last words to him because I think this is really powerful, actually. So it does come sort of out of the blue, right? You pick up, let's say, you know, you go into the bookstore or whatever, you pick up two towers and you get to page one and it says, hey, Boromir's dead. <laughs> you think, okay, what? But it is a nice, powerful moment because Boromir's last words are, well, first he can sort of confesses right to what he did wrong he he took he tried to take the ring and so he has his confession he does say after that he gives his explanation that the orcs have kidnapped the halflings or the hobbits and then he says his last words are farewell aragorn go to minas tirith and save my people i have failed i have failed those are his three last words nothing else but he does get to hear aragorn's response which is that no you have conquered. Few have gained such a victory. Be at peace. Minas Tirith shall not fall. And that's it. And then he dies. Yeah, I love this what, part. Yeah, it, what's, what strikes me here is Boromir's, that feeling of failure. And on in his mind, he's thinking in a very external terms here. What he means by failure is, one, he tried to take the ring, which caused Frodo to leave. So, big mistake. Whoops. Two, he couldn't protect the other hobbits. Uh, even though he tried, mm -hmm. but he failed. And then three, he keeps mentioning Minas Tirith here and stuff. So three, what he means on larger sense is he couldn't do anything in the big picture to really save Minas Tirith. He's only uh, hurt the cause of the company. Now, there's a reading here you could take when Aragorn says, you have conquered of thinking like oh actually boromir it's it's kind of like a, a a fortunate fault scenario here right where well boromir if you hadn't done that then none of the other events would happen it all works out in the end so actually it was great you could take that i don't really think though that's yeah that's a you bit should read this here yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> i think i think boromir conquered and i think everyone's point is correct even if everything does fail because of this he's still conquered so how did he conquer like what does that mean well he conquers in a very like tolkien christian way so one he sacrifices himself to to save somebody else two he sort of confesses his sin and he has tried to atone for that sin and that i think is tolkien's vision of conquering and everyone right. tells him few have gained such a victory few people are able to do that few, few people are able to to uh, commit that kind of sin in this case although Tolkien would not use that word in the Lord of the Rings I'm not saying he would but you know sort of right um, us imposing kind of a Christian worldview here few people are able to kind of commit that sin recognize it try to atone for it acknowledge it even to their death and I think that's that's Boromir's great victory and I think it should be mentioned too that Boromir, in the previous chapter, his uh, his fall when he was uh, being possessed by the temptation for the ring, uh, he entered in a state that was really gave us insight into how the ring motivates people because he kind of was monologuing, and so we kind of give an idea of his mind as he's being tempted by the ring. And it was this, you know, I've kind of mentioned before that this is kind of how I read about the ring but it's this utilitarian oh you know if i just had the power i like it doesn't really matter you know the individual acts of you know uh, of cruelty i might have to get to this ring i could do good with it right so it's okay like in the end everything's gonna be fine if just like 
you let me have what I want right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's weighing decisions saying, okay, like I'll take the ring. And you know, these, these are the things that, you know, will weigh out to be the best in the end. Um, but here when he makes an attempt to save, uh, Marion Pippin, he is going completely away from that mindset. He's going away from, yeah. oh, like the ends justify the means to these two hobbits who are completely non-important people, right? These hobbits, they're not ring bearers. They're just hobbits, right? And he gives up his life for for them, um, which is, you know, not utilitarian. Uh, he's a, you know, uh, a lord of Gondor who, you know, is... You know, and so I don't say magical, but he's a. Uh, there's you know more about him than he's. he's there's know. a superhuman element. There, he's, to yeah, him, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, and but he gives up his life, which you know you could say, oh, like if you were weighing that choice, like give up a couple hobbits, uh, mm-hmm. uh, or like the the Lord of Gondor, you know, uh, the captain of, you know, the guard, you would choose. Bormir, but yeah. he doesn't you know but he I mean, does the right thing the right thing in the exact moment was oh they're in trouble that's you know defend them with my life and that was just the immediate correct thing to do in the moment um and yeah. that's switching from a mindset of oh the doing the right thing is secondary to just kind of my plans versus oh just the right thing right now where the plans are just unknown um, yeah and and he switches back into that mindset and that's a way he's he few have done that right and yeah is is you know part of uh, aragorn's response here there's an interesting theme cropping up here too of how um objectively you touched on this a bit but objectively boromir's life is worth much more than the hobbit's life you would think but tolkien is always going to be hitting us with the with that sort of theme of it's it's the least of us who are actually the most important mm-hmm. and so you you think Bormer's life is more important but really what's important is a that he did the right thing like you just said but also there's this hint that well really actually uh people like mary and pippin are actually going to play a bigger role here in the end and um yeah just it, it's interesting for as much glorification as tolkien gives to these superhuman characters such as Boromir and aragorn he does still ultimately feel like the real true powerful people are actually those who are at the bottom. And so, right. and so therefore they're just like, the, they're the more important ones, right? In the end. Yeah. And they, I mean, and he doesn't in, actually end up saving them. Right. But, but it yeah, is, yeah. they do end up playing, you know, uh, you know, significant roles. So no spoilers in this podcast. Um. <laughs> don't we spoil it constantly? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't. I, mean, I, yeah, I do think it's funny. I don't want to make the note. I think if you go back and listen to the intro episode, we do say, "Well, we'll spoil this freely." And then in some episodes, we definitely do. And in other episodes, we're like, "You know what? Let's just not." For some reason, we just <laughs> one episode, we're just not going to it's do when it. When we don't remember what happens, <laughs> that's probably it. <laughs> and then Frodo. Well, no spoilers. We'll get back to it. Um. So last last thing I'll say about about just his death as it's happening. I really like, um, the viewpoint of aragorn hearing the uh bormir's last stand isn't a it's not the battle right so and we get hints at, like so it, somebody could think oh you've conquered like you killed 20 orcs right um, right yeah but but we're just given hints in the the way the story is told that it has nothing to do with the, the fight itself uh you know no. like the actual slaying of the orcs because we don't even see it um we get this really cool 
description of the fight as um, what Aragorn hears in in terms of the his uh, the Horn of Gondor and the cries of the orcs, um, kind of battling each other, sort of that way. Um, and I just I think that's that's great. Um, do you want to talk about the poem? Did you have anything? Um, I didn't have anything about the poem other than I think it's uh, funny that Gimli doesn't get a verse. Um, yeah, <laughs> and there were enough to, uh, wins for him to get, get a verse well, too. Yeah, well, except you know, I think it was an interesting point for him to say, "Well, I can't say anything about the East Wind." And they're like, "Yeah, good call because that's where Mordor like is, yeah. so better not say anything about it." But it's also I'm thinking, so why'd you leave that one to him? Jeez, you know, <laughs> I feel like everyone's a little selfish here, and then he, he does jumps too. in. Right. Yeah, he gets two. He doesn't let Gimli get one of the good ones. He just leaves him with the one you can't sing about, and then says. Yeah, don't sing about that. And it moves on, and that's it. So poor Gimli. Yeah, I, the only thing I had about the poem, I, I actually, I like this poem quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. If you put it with some of the other poems, uh, this one I think, I don't know, I'm guessing gets overlooked a little bit uh, as mm-hmm. far as people's favorites, but I actually like it. Um, the meter is what I like a lot about it because it's okay. very weird. The meter is very it changes a little bit and it's difficult um, and it doesn't flow as well. Like Tolkien's poems tend to flow very smoothly. And this one I think does not, um, not in a bad way. I think it's just, it makes you slow down uh, and read more carefully. Uh, maybe that's just me being bad at reading poems. Um, but, but I think the meter is such that it kind of it has uh, like an enforced walking pace to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that quite a bit um let's nice. see what okay. else uh but yeah i didn't really have much to say about the poem except that i liked it yeah i think it's pretty straightforward in its meaning and stuff so yeah i don't i didn't underline anything in it at all to be honest i just like okay said so that he's dead moving on there's aragorn's choice at the end yeah well and so and let's lead up to this because we talked about in previous episodes that he is much more of a unsure of a unsure character than people often remember him to be mm-hmm. in this chapter exemplifies that where at the beginning he is just saying oh my gosh i have screwed up so completely entirely and everything i've done has gone wrong but he makes a choice at the end and he feels really confident in that choice and i think that's a big t- turning point right um he chooses to go to save mary and pippin and he does so with full confidence that that's the right thing to do mm-hmm. and i want to say this i i, I picked up my copy of the reader's companion for today's episode i looked at some stuff and it would, they made a note that it's interesting that aragorn sees two choices and not three because this hypothetical third choice was maybe go to minas tirith because remember that was going to be the choice prior to all this happening mm-hmm. but all of a sudden that's not even on the table the yeah. only two choices are which person from the company do you follow? It's not a choice to abandon either of them. Like that a lot. Like that that's where Aragorn's mind was. Um and I like that that happens after Boromir's death because in the very beginning yeah. of the chapter, Aragorn is choosing he's right next to the seat of seeing, and he says, Ah, oh, well, go after Frodo, but I really want to go see stuff. Um mm-hmm. so so he does. Um, and he kind of makes the opposite choice that that Boromir, yeah. that Boromir made. Um, Ooh, what's interesting there? I didn't, I didn't think about this, but that's essentially that's the wrong choice then, too, isn't it? Right. He sees nothing. He goes, yeah, he doesn't see anything, and 
maybe if he were there earlier, maybe he could have saved Boromir, right. Pippin, like if you, or Boromir, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. or uh, right, and so he makes kind of the opposite choice. But here, but then after his dis- that event, he the only two choices he sees, like you point out, are. Mm-hmm. Well, are, but what's interesting about that happening after Boromir's death is isn't Boromir's the one who says, "Please go to my city and save my people." <laughs> oh yeah, it's just not even really on the table. <laughs> that was the guy's dying wish. But and you he know, doesn't could, even like consider it, and right. I'm not saying he should, but I think that's a really interesting, cool dynamic that everyone sees the bigger picture here. And he's essentially, he has now fully seen what you're saying earlier about the right thing to do is always just what is the right thing and not necessarily what makes the most utilitarian sense. Right. Uh, so it'd be the most utilitarian sense to go to Minas Tirith, but the right thing to do is to not abandon your comrades. So he's not going to do that. Oh, I was going to say one more thing about the seeing thing and my quick look at the Reader's Companion before this episode. Last episode, I talked about how it was unclear whether it was the seat that let Frodo see all that stuff or the ring, like when Frodo Mm -hmm. was up there on that seat and he saw the stuff. Uh, The Reader's Companion says it's definitely the seat, which is interesting. So, okay. Hmm. They, 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 I'll take their word for it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I can see that. I always imagine it as some sort of confluence of, you know, person of importance, you know, person of some sort of um, significant magical ability, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the ring bearer plus the seat. Makes right, sense I, to I, me. I just yeah. imagined like if, you know, um, Mr. Butterbur yeah. were to sit upon it, he wouldn't see much. So in the same way, the ring itself is something that magnifies its its relationship with the bearer itself, and not it's not just the ring gives you these flat powers. It's kind of the relationship with your your heart and mind. Mm-hmm. I don't. But I don't have any basis for this. It's just my guess. <laughs> That's how I read it. I works for me. Works for me. I think the only thing else I wanted to talk about with this chapter. Is something I hit up hit upon in the summary, which is that we're going to shift point of view here for a moment. And essentially, I kind of talked about this in the Breaking of the Fellowship episode, but uh, we have now split from the one single point of view that we had throughout books one and books two. So we're not going to be with Frodo at all uh, for the next book. So we have this whole book three and no Frodo. And uh, that's interesting, but book three, two is also just going to uh, split up its point of views a lot. It'll go to Aragorn, to Merry and Pippin, back to Aragorn. So back to Merry and Pippin. It'll kind of go back and forth a little bit as well. So you'll see that then through books three, four, five, and into book six a little bit as well. So Mm. for the rest of our time, we are going to uh, have that kind of effect. So worth thinking about as we go through this what kind of effect does that have uh on the reader yeah yeah well, all right let's do favorite lines charlie what did you pick out yeah last line in chapter i think it's great so they've decided to pursue the orcs they're climbing up these hills leaving behind the woods getting into these rocky hills and uh the last line is just they passed away gray shadows in a stony land that's it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'm also I'm also a sucker for uh, red skies. 
and uh yeah these descriptions they're always just great see i picked out uh this is when gimli and legolas are approaching the um the field where aragorn and boromir are uh and legolas says alas said legolas coming to aragorn's side we have hunted and slain many orcs in the woods, but we should have been of more use here. We came when we heard the horn, but too late, it seems. I fear you have taken deadly hurt. And then afterwards, Aragorn says something about, oh, no, he's fine. He's not dead. You know, mm. he's not hurt. He just got here later. Um, but I, it, it seems to me that Legolas is more perceptive than that. Um, I think he would know if, uh, uh, if Aragorn looked as if he was bleeding instead of just, you know grieving um and so i take this i feel you have taken deadly hurt as being more about the uh emotional significance of having lost boromir who you know if you think about the relationship between aragorn and boromir we often think of as kind of like this competing sort of you know relationship where there's kind of the two men yeah. and you know there's boromir's taking care of the city and you know aragorn's like deciding to you know he's gonna win he's going to you know take up the broken sword and, and, and such. But if you think about it, it's also, uh, Aragorn is, is the rightful, is, is Bormir's king. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that's, uh, I don't know, to have somebody who is your, um, uh, you know, supposedly under your protection in some sense, you know, die, uh, mm. you know, sort of a child or a parent losing a child sort of thing that can be a deadly hurt. So I just like that line. It seems it seems just like receptive, legless, kind of just saying things that kind of go unnoticed. Yeah. Um, All right. What you know, you just reminded me of something I forgot to talk about, which is that it's interesting that Aragorn does not report on Boromir's last words to mm-hmm. Legolas and Gimli, so they do not know that he tried to take the ring. Aragorn keeps that secret. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. I don't know what to think of that yet, but it's a cool little detail. So, all right. Um, the other things to wrap up. The chapter title. Title. Uh, I I like it. Solid seven out of ten. What mm-hmm. I like about this is it's it speaks average. to yeah, it's above average. It speaks to um, Tolkien's weird uh, reluctance to spoil things. So, you know, sort of famously, Tolkien used to say he didn't like the name The Return of the King for his third volume because it kind of spoils it, he said. And everyone's probably thinking, come on, come on. Like, <laughs> obviously, that was going to happen, though. Jesus. But he is reluctant. And you see that here in this chapter title. He doesn't say the death. He just says the departure. And if you were you read the last chapter, you just saw he tried to take the ring. You might think that, like, oh, he's going to leave or something. Or he's going to Minister Earth or whatever. It doesn't say death. I you know, I, th- I like that. That's kind of cool. So, yeah. Good title. Which, although, by the way, I want to say that tendency of Tolkien's is what leads to his bad chapter titles, right? So mm-hmm. his, oh, I can't spoil anything is why he then has to go and say, oh, uh, it's a great river. Tree beer. So, <laughs> right, yeah. So he's just, just, just thinking, okay, what? Um, so it can lead him astray, I think. But here, I think it works really well, so. Well, that concludes this chapter for us. Yeah. Uh, join us next time uh, when we cover Chapter 2, The Writers of Rohan.